0: welcome to church. Today, Pastor Bev is going to be continuing our series, Afterlife, where he'll be talking about hell and how it's a place that wasn't meant for people and how God has made a way so that we don't have to be there one day. If you're new here, we'd love to connect. You can message us on Facebook, Instagram, or by simply texting hello to 587-323-1199 and we will respond right back. I'm so glad you could join
1: us today. Reality that we all have to face. 150,000 people die every single day. Where do they go?
2: Are their souls somewhere else or are they just gone?
1: I want to say thank you for joining us, either in person or online. It's a privilege to be here with you today. And I do want to mention too, if you want to be further uh, receive further understanding of the residential schools, uh, because of half of the clients that I work with and Benevolent Fund come from the Indigenous community, I've made it a priority for me to better understand what has happened. So on my personal Facebook page, which is open, you're welcome to take a look at a number of videos, some short, some longer, which gives valuable insight into what has happened over the over over 100 years here in our country and how we can respond. One of the most important ways we can is by listening. I remember a few years ago, a friend of mine from the, that community Uh, We'd known each other for about at least 10 years called me and said can I come in and just want to talk and I said sure And then he told me his story after 10 years of friendship and it was it was sobering. It was shocking and I went home and went to bed It was very painful to hear the kind of things that happened. I commented to him I could not have imagined the people who perpetrated this would have ever read the Bible because of the horrendous things that have happened to our fellow Canadians. So I would encourage you, as perhaps your way of reaching out to these people. Some you may know, you're welcome to do that, but perhaps you also want to go online and look at some of these videos that that I have found very helpful in my understanding of what has happened to these precious people, just as precious uh, to God as we are. Yes, welcome to everyone today, especially if you're new to us, a first time guest. We'd love to connect with you in person, online, or however that might be. And we continue on in our series, Afterlife. And for the past number of weeks, we've been speaking about heaven. And today, we're going to speak about hell the reality that also exists in the afterlife. And the sermon today is Hell Real. And if you've missed any of our sermons, we would encourage you to watch them on Facebook, on the church website, or you can uh, ask for a CD copy if you would prefer uh, to hear more about this, I believe, a very powerful series about what, what awaits us on the other side of this life. Uh, we will also be showing several videos, and if you have uh, children that are watching that are sensitive, we would like you to be aware of that as well. And just with any any presentation in these videos, these will be the experiences of several individuals. And we just want to make you aware that your, your belief in the afterlife should not be based alone on the experiences of others, but rather firmly on what the Bible says. And then as other experiences of people fit into that narrative, then that would be appropriate. And before I go further, I want to acknowledge Pastor John Burke, whose material my sermon is based on today. The band 30 Minutes of 30 Seconds to Mar penned these words to their song, Kings and Queens. It says, We were kings and queens of promise. We were victims of ourselves. Maybe the children of a lesser God between heaven and hell. Those lyrics remind us of our experience here on earth. We were meant to be children of promise. Like kings and queens, we experience a taste of heaven, love, joy, goodness, creativity, compassionate, uh, compassion and life together. But as victims of ourselves, we also experience things that have gone terribly wrong. Deception, abuse, alienation, dishonesty, divorce, anger, murder, war, a small taste of hell. We live, so to speak, between heaven And hell but why what explains why a loving God would allow such misery and pain and suffering here on earth to do that I'm going to take three Bible passages from Ezekiel chapter 28 Isaiah 14 and Revelation 12 and mesh them together as one story before I do that I want to briefly set the foundation for our sermon today based on the last book of the Bible in Revelation chapter 20 Verses 11 and 12.
0: And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books.
1: Now to the story. So long before the earth was created, God eternally existed. God, who is love and light and life, is also the creator. And in eternity, God created eternal creatures, angels, beautiful creatures of light, created to do God's will, to experience God's love, and to glorify God. Now, these angels were given various tasks. Some tended to what God had created. Others were messengers. Some were servants. The most beautiful powerful angel created music and worshiped in the very presence of God. His name was Lightbearer. He was blameless, pure, creative, the most powerful, majestic of all God's creation. The seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He was placed in Eden, the garden of God in heaven. Lightbearer was a guardian cherub. He was the most powerful angel chosen to be with God on the holy mountain of God in the most splendid place in heaven, the throne of God. God loved him and declared, you are blameless in all your ways the days you were created. But God created the angels to love and serve, which meant that angels had a free will. But something horrible happened in the heart of Lightbearer. His heart became proud because of his beauty, and he corrupted his wisdom because of his splendor. He said in his heart, I will rise above the throne of God. I will be like God. And wickedness was found within him. God says, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God. I expelled you, guardian cherub. bearer, or Lucifer, was cast out of heaven. But not before he took with him one third of the angels who felt that they too could better rule than God. And these free-willed, eternal angels made a choice. They chose to reject God's wills and God's way for their own way. But a choice in eternity is an eternal choice. When time is not linear or successive, there's no such thing as a second chance. They They literally and eternally chose not God. But there's no place in heaven where God is not. There's no place where light and love and light Rule uh, does not rule. So God and His love created a place for Lucifer and His fallen angels, a place that they would have, that would they could rule apart from God, a place called hell. A place where light and love and the life of God gives way to dark, prideful, self-centered, evil rulership of the creature trying to play God. Still, two thirds of the angels had not eternally rejected God. So how could God lovingly teach them so that the same thing would never happen again? God created again. He said, let there be light, and a universe was born out of nothing in a great explosion. The angels of God were puzzled. It's so much less than heaven. Time moves only in one direction, and instead of the light of God that gives light to all, there was only a dim, pale light the light of the sun, and only a tiny small spectrum of dull colors. And instead of the living water of life from God's throne, there was a far lesser imitation, H2O, water, that all earth's life would require. And so the angels watched as God created humans in his own image, people who could also choose to love, create, and serve God. And as the angels watched, they realized that God had also allowed Lucifer and his fallen angels access to this new creation. But why? Why would God allow them to follow Lucifer and be cast out of God's presence, to be cast out of Eden? Why let this happen? Then the angels began to see God's mercy, God's love. These humans could not experience but a fraction of the joys of heaven, but they could also only experience a fraction Of the sufferings and evils of hell and god was always near drawing them beckoning them to himself this was the place between heaven and hell greatly reduced in experience where humans created to live eternally experienced the knowledge of good and evil and the angels marveled at god's brilliant plan that was unfolding unfolding now god could abandon humans for rejecting his will and his ways but God would enter their world disguised as one of them. He would pay his own price for justice and righteousness to be done so that he could forgive and take back all those who would willingly give their lives to him. So God gave them a second, a third, a fourth, 70 ch- years of chance to come back to him, to admit the rebellion and forever return to God. Something impossible for eternal angels who made an eternal choice in God's presence. Now, God was teaching the angels who had not fallen and humans the cost of rebellion and the power of love so that all who choose him could live eternally with him. And as I said earlier, taking Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14, and Revelation 12 together, you can see something close to the story I've just told you. As we talk today about hellish NDEs, near-death experiences, and how a loving God could possibly create hell, I want you to keep this perspective in mind. Now, many people think that hell is an eternal punishment for finite sins. They say, that's unjust and doesn't make sense. How could a loving God eternally punish for fi- finite sins? But is that what is happening? We are not temporal, cre- uh, we are not temporal crea- creations. Creatures given eternal consequences. We are eternal creatures given a temporal chance after chance after chance to choose God. And if you understand this, it answers many questions. Like how in the world would God allow suffering and evil if he really loved us more than any other? A five-year-old girl fell on a tile floor and cracked her skull. The doctors had to inject a dye so that they could do a C-scan. And in doing that, they discovered that there was blood under her skull. The next day they had to do so again to discover what was happening because the child could die. When they, de- when they decided to put a dye the second time, the doctor said to the father, You must hold your daughter. And the daughter looked at her father and said, Daddy, Daddy, why are you doing this to me? The father cried. The mother cried, but he knew something she didn't just as God knows things that we don't understand either. The temporary pain and suffering that was necessary to save her from something far worse, and that's what God does for us too. Now, one out of 25 people have near-death experiences, NDEs which have convinced skeptical doctors of the reality of the afterlife. But not all of them are as good as doctors have discovered. Initially, it seemed that most near-death experiences, the people had a blissful experience. Their senses were heightened. They were met with a welcoming crowd. Uh, They they were like they had never been before in their lives. And so it sounded as though everyone was going to heaven, that it was a blissful experience. But as more and more near-death experiences, NDEs, became reported, they discovered more and more of them were hellish in nature. Let's now watch this video.
3: I didn't believe in God, let alone an afterlife. But that belief quickly changed one evening in 1977. I was monitoring a patient of mine, a guy aged 40, whilst he carried out an ECG stress test. There and then, in my office, he had a cardiac arrest and dropped dead to the floor. Three nurses rushed in and began CPR, Whilst I started external heart massage, but it wouldn't maintain its own beat. I had to insert a pacemaker wire down through the large vein. The patient began coming to, but whenever I reached for instruments or interrupted chest compressions, he would lose consciousness again, stop breathing, and die one more time. But the terrifying thing was this each time he came around and began respiration, he would scream, I'm in hell! and plead with me not to quit. This literally scared the hell out of me. Every time I quit, I was sending him back there. He looked petrified. After this happened a few times, I dismissed his complaint and told him to keep his hell to himself until I was finished fitting the pacemaker. But the man was beyond serious.
1: How do I stay out of hell? Pray
3: for me! Pray for him? I thought. I was a doctor, not a preacher. Pray for me. He repeated. It was a dying man's request. As I continued working, I took my mind back to Sunday school and had the man repeat a prayer asking Jesus to save him and turn his life around. It wasn't complicated and with that his condition stabilized. I asked the patient a couple of days later to explain what he saw in hell, but he remembered nothing as if it was wiped from his memory. He did, however, remember everything after the prayer, seeing us work on his body, a pleasurable experience of brilliant light, lush vegetation in a narrow valley, and meeting his deceased family, his stepmother and birth mother who had died when he was just 15 months old. The whole experience changed everything I ever believed.
1: Dr. Rawlings went on to write a book entitled, Beyond Death's Door, believing that many people who have hellish NDEs suppress the memory because it is just so traumatic. Studies show that positive NDEs are often not reported because people fear of being labeled as crazy. So how much more underreported would hellish NDE be? Even that, 23% are reported to be negative or hellish in nature. A Dutch researcher, Dr. Pim van Lommel, summarizes hellish NDEs in this way. To their horror, they often find themselves pulled even deeper into profound darkness. The NDE ends in this scary atmosphere. Such a terrifying NDE usually produces long-lasting emotional trauma. Now, the exact number of people experiencing such a frightening NDE is unknown because often people keep quiet out of shame and guilt. Most don't talk about their hellish experiences, and I don't want to either. But to ignore this is possibly the most selfish, unloving thing I could do. Jesus taught that hell is just as real as heaven. He spoke of an outer darkness with weeping and gnashing of teeth. He spoke of a pit, of a fiery place, levels of a world turned away from God. And Jesus made this clear, that God doesn't want any human being going there then why would anyone end up in hell? Jesus said in John chapter 3, verses 19 and 21,
0: God's light came into the world, but his people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do not, but those who do what is right come to the light.
1: C.S. Lewis, an atheist turned a follower of Jesus, said that God does not send anyone to hell. He said, I willingly believe the damned are, in one sense, successful, rebels to the end, that the doors of hell are locked from the inside. Howard Strom was a tenured professor when in Paris his stomach ruptured. Unable to get surgery, he died. At first, like many NDEs, it seemed to have been a great experience. He was more alive than ever. He had a friendly welcoming committee. If it had stopped there, it might have been tagged as another heavenly experience. But just like many first experiences here on earth can be deceptive, so also in the world to come. Let us watch this video of him recounting his experience.
4: A terrifying descent into death and darkness, that began in the City of Lights.
2: I took a group of students and my wife to Europe for an art tour.
4: Spring 1985, Howard was a 38-year-old college art professor, department head, and devout atheist.
2: I'm ashamed of this, but I really thought that um, religious people were um, simple-minded or um, just completely living in a fantasy world.
4: He didn't care about life's purpose, only pleasure.
2: Then you die and it's over.
4: Paris was to be the piece de resistance until a nagging stomach ache suddenly intensified.
2: Pain was the most acute pain I'd ever experienced in my life.
4: A gastrointestinal perforation with corrosive digestive acid spilling into the abdominal cavity.
2: Oh, I needed surgery within a few hours or I'd be dead.
4: Howard's condition was critical, but the hospital staff couldn't locate a doctor to prescribe pain medication, let alone operate.
2: Because it was a Saturday and nobody was aware of it, there was no surgeon at the surgical hospital.
4: Ten hours later, he was ready to die.
2: So we said our goodbyes and um, I closed my eye and went unconscious.
4: Then something unexpected happened. He woke up, feeling more alive than ever, looking at his dead body and his wife crying.
2: So these people were outside the room calling me by name.
4: Come with us, Howard.
2: They um, said, hurry up, come with us, let's go, we know all about you. So I thought that they were going to take me to my surgery.
4: But he says there was no surgery. Instead, he was led into a never-ending, dark, damp space.
2: I was terrified, so I said, I'm not going any further with you. And then they began to push and shout.
4: He says dozens, maybe hundreds, attacked, biting, ripping, tearing him apart, just for fun.
2: Then they did things to humiliate me. and diminish me, which is part of it that I don't talk about because it's too gross.
4: Was this hell?
2: I don't think I was in hell, I think I was being processed, sort of like um, this was my indoctrination to become like them.
4: And that's when he heard it. He says an inner voice telling him to pray.
2: Memory came to me, um, very, very vivid, of myself sitting in a Sunday school classroom singing Jesus Loves Me.
4: He says the creatures became agitated and began to back off.
2: Out of desperation, I called out into the darkness, Jesus, please save me. And when I did that, a tiny light appeared in the darkness and got very, very bright.
4: Within the light, Howard claims Jesus appeared and healed
2: his wounds. And I was filled with his love for me, which is um, wonderfully impossible to describe.
4: Soon, he says, guardian angels also arrived to watch his life in review. HE SAYS EARTHLY ACHIEVEMENTS MEANT NOTHING HERE, WHILE EVERY HUMAN INTERACTION WAS CONSEQUENTIAL.
2: EPISODE BY EPISODE WHERE I HAD EITHER LOVED OR FAILED TO LOVE.
4: HOWEVER HE FELT THEM ALL REJOICE THE NIGHT HE HAD COMFORTED HIS SISTER AFTER A FIGHT WITH THEIR DAD.
2: And I PUT MY ARM AROUND HER AND and HELD HER REALLY TIGHT WHILE SHE CRIED. AND I um, HELD HER ALL NIGHT LONG um, UNTIL SHE FELL ASLEEP. MY angels AND JESUS REALLY APPROVED OF THAT that simple act of kindness.
4: Determined to change, he asked, what is the best religion?
2: He said, the best religion is the one that brings you closest to God.
4: And the most important message?
2: He said, love the person that you're with. And I said, okay, I'll do that. Now, what do you want me to do? And he said, no, that's it. Love the person that you're with.
4: Family, friends, strangers, and enemies alike, without judgment. And that's exactly what Howard says he did upon his return even when his wife divorced him and colleagues didn't believe his story.
2: People um, really hated me because of my new values. All my old friends dropped me. Um, Some members of my family um, couldn't stand um, my new values and my new faith.
4: Undeterred, Howard quit his job, worked at a soup kitchen, then graduated from the seminary a religious conversion that also greatly influenced his artwork. This is the
2: first thing I did after my experience.
4: Illustrations of the hellish and heavenly journey are hung throughout his northern Kentucky home, which he shares with his new wife Marcia, a woman who's never doubted him. Why would he give up a full tenured professorship and
0: his retirement? Logically it it doesn't make sense and yet it's so powerful that that's what he was called to
4: do and that's what he did. Howard's also written a book titled My Descent Into Death and 30 years later continues to tell his story to anyone who will listen.
2: I can't save anyone that's between them and God but hopefully um, through love and kindness you can make an impression on people which will give them um, you know an opportunity to rethink what their beliefs are about.
1: God loves us like no other and Jesus expressed in Matthew 25 that hell is not created for people but for the devil and his angels. They had a free will, we have a free will. God created both to love him and experience his love and goodness forever. The angels made their eternal choice, so a second choice is not possible. We have seen we have made the same choice, but we get a second Third, even a lifetime of chances to turn to God. He allows pain and suffering suffering as merciful warnings of something far worse. The reason Howard and others could still choose, I believe, is because they had not yet crossed that boundary into eternity. They all came back. It says in Romans 3, verses 23 to 26.
0: For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life Shedding his blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus.
1: Yes. All the world's religions basically say the same things about morality. But what does that teach us? We've all sinned. No one has kept perfectly the eightfold path of Buddhism, the five pillars of Islam, or even the Ten Commandments. We don't even keep our own moral laws. Yet God, in his love and mercy, has paid his own price for justice so that he is just in taking us back, taking all people back who realize they need forgiveness and want God to be their God of their lives. And because of Christ's payment, God has removed every barrier between him and us except our pride. He won't force us to love or him or accept his gift because love must be free. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32.
0: You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free.
1: And in John 8, verse 44, Jesus also said this of Lucifer.
0: He has always hated the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies.
1: The scriptures teach that there are many fallen angels, demonic spiritual beings who follow Lucifer. They are void of the love of God and are consumed with their own desires. They lie to us about God and the path to life. This is why God tells us not to try to contact the dead or seek out-of-body experiences or spirit guides, because Satan can masquerade himself as an angel of light. So you are opening yourself to spiritual deception, a world that you do not want to enter. As it says in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 19 and 20.
0: Someone may say to you, let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. With their whisperings and mutterings, they will tell us what to do. But shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark.
1: So let me unmask one of those lies. Some of you may be hearing and thinking, that can't be right. How can God only save those who have heard of the name of Jesus? There are billions of people who have never heard of the name of Jesus. But think about what that does. With the smokescreen of caring for people you don't even know, you hear lies that can effectively keep you from getting right with God. The irony is that God loves all people. So why do you think God would care less about them than he does of you? The truth is we don't know why God deals with pe- or how God deals with people who have never heard of the name of Jesus. In Matthew 18, verse 14, Jesus said,
0: It is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish.
1: The truth is, but we need to be concerned about ourselves before we are concerned about others. Because Jesus said this also in Luke 10, verse 16.
0: Anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me.
1: So don't reject Jesus because you are concerned about others. We know there will be people from every tribe and every language in heaven, so don't don't judge God, but rather seek him. But why doesn't God just make it so that everybody could go to heaven if that was his will? He can't do that because love requires a free will. What would God do with Hitler or anyone who does not want to submit to him, to his rule? Force him? take away his free will, but he'd be a slave, a prisoner in heaven, not a loving child. If left with free will, he would certainly eternally want his will over God's will, and he would have to be cast out of God's presence. God knows all this, and the earth is perfectly suited to shape us into eternally free and loving children. And God is teaching the angels as they serve us, as it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10,
0: god's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places
1: through earth's sufferings god is birthing eternally free children and teaching the angels so we will forever choose to love him that's why jesus still has his marks in heaven angels and human all need to remember that forever. Now, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. God's grace will forgive you of anything. You don't have to jump through religious hoops or get your act together or prove yourself worthy. He already loves you more than you can imagine, and he wants you to know that you can be eternally secure with him, and he wants to lead you such as to make a difference in your life where you will discover you can love him and in doing so loving others as well. And on top of that, there's an eternal reward awaiting for a life well lived. And as we conclude a personal story, an experience I have not forgotten and rarely told, my experience of a personal taste of hell. A number of years ago, I was previously a a forester doing research. There was a project that I was primarily responsible for, and I made a significant error such that it voided any results that would come out of that uh, research project. I knew I needed to tell my supervisor, but I was afraid I'd lose my job, so I chose not to. I carried on with the experiment, although it was totally useless by that time. I don't remember if it was weeks or months or, or however long it was, but I would not admit to the wrong I did. One night, as I was sitting in the living room, I suddenly found myself sliding into hell, descending, I'm going, what is happening here? I'm a Christian, what's going on? I have no idea how long or how short this experience was. And I don't know how it fits easily into a theological box. But when it ended, I felt that God was saying, you know what you need to do, do not trifle with me. And that experience put in me a fear of God that I'm very thankful for. I've not had to make think twice about certain things because that right fear of God has filled me with a respect, an awe, a love for God that has been to my benefit over these many years. And likewise, I want to say to each of us as followers of Jesus, if there are things that we are doing against the will of god that we know is against the will of god do not resist him but willingly follow his direction no matter how difficult it may be because in the end i didn't lose my job i didn't know what would happen but i made that decision that very next morning to communicate and say what had happened and for those of you perhaps who are not followers of jesus it is also a reminder too that there are consequences for our sins and we have a choice, either to invite Jesus, to take our sin upon him and transform our lives, or to continue on doing what we're doing, knowing that there is a consequence yet to be experienced. And so as we come to the end of today's presentation, may I ask you, are you looking forward to the afterlife? Do you believe it's real? And if so, how are you living your life now? Are you living with a view of eternity in mind? Are you living with meaning and purpose, knowing what is ahead? Are you loving God and others in a way that one day when you breathe your last breath, you will look forward to meeting Jesus in eternity, and that with much joy? It's your choice, heaven or hell. And if you've not specifically asked God into your life to have a relationship with Him, perhaps you've not given much thought to the afterlife, why not do so today? It's your choice. If you wish to give your life to God, you can say this after me. God, today I've heard you speak to me. You want me to love you and others. I can't do it on my own. I ask you to change me, transform me, that I might become the person you want me to be. I choose you for this life, and the next in heaven, that this might be my destiny now and forever. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we would encourage you to text LIFE at 587-323-1199, and we'll get back to you and help you to take next steps on your spiritual journey. And if you have any questions about today's sermon, about any of our series, you're welcome to contact us.
0: Thanks for joining us. If you need anything, do not hesitate to contact us. You can find more information on our website or on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. We'll see you again soon.